hey, welcome to Transform Pain to Power, the podcast about what it really takes to resolve pain and the simple, unconventional yet proven techniques to get you there most quickly. Listen in for high-level creative conversation to inspire you to engage with the life that you want in a body that you love. Hello, and welcome to episode number six. So nice to have you here. I hope you're doing well today. And if you're not, I hope this conversation nourishes you and supports your journey in some significant way or small way. So today I've got some interesting ideas on my mind that I want to share with you. I'm going to go into some new territory here. I'm going to broaden the scope of our perspective and I'm going to draw in some ideas about life (laughs) and the mind and bring it back, of course, as always, to how you can help yourself resolve persistent, chronic, bothersome pain. We're going to get into all that. And the ideas that I have in my mind are directly uh, coming out of a workshop that I'm hosting this weekend. I've been going over it. Um, I'm not teaching it. Lavinia Plonka is teaching it. I actually requested that she do a workshop and the workshop was, came out of an interview I did with her and I loved what she was saying, then I really wanted to, you know, I just asked her, will you please teach a workshop on this? It sounds amazing. Really similar to a lot of the ways that I think and the things that I try and teach. But of course, she will have her own unique flavor. So in the workshop this weekend, the main theme is conscious creation in terms of one's own life. And Lavinia is going to gather movement and writing, thought exercises, and some other fun things in order to give people the experience of how you can use the mind-body connection, the way your mind and your body work together naturally, to uh, utilize that connection and bring more consciousness to the way that you are creating your life. And what's so interesting about all of this is that we are always creating our life as humans. It's the way the mind works. And if you've seen some of the promotional material for, or the little video clip rather of the interview I did with Lavinia, that's exactly what she says. We're always consciously creating, or rather we're always creating our life, but not always consciously creating our life. Think about that for a moment and the implication that you are creating your own life. And how much does that resonate with your understanding right now of your own life? I think it's a pretty interesting concept. So If you're interested in that workshop, which you should be because it's going to be amazing, uh, I will link a sign up in the show notes. So make sure you go there and you click the link and you sign up and and claim your spot because it's going to be a really great one. So for the conversation today, I went to the dictionary, which seems like it's maybe going to set us off to have a boring conversation, but actually it's quite the opposite. (laughs) 
it's going to really be um, interesting because, you know, those dictionary definitions are always fascinating. I think they really reveal something about not just language, but how we understand ourselves and how we understand the world and how we use language to help us understand. So the words I looked up were conscious and also create. So first we're going to go through conscious and let's start with the first definition. So this is the online version of Merriam-Webster's dictionary. And this is the first definition for the word conscious. Having mental faculties not dulled by sleep, faintness, or stupor. Right? So that's the basic or most foundational definition of conscious, right? Not unconscious, not passed out. The person's eyes are open and they seem to hear and be able to communicate. They are not unconscious, right? And I think it's so interesting because most of us think of that and badum, the definition is done. And we think of when we are awake as being a time when we are conscious and when we are asleep, we are kind of unconscious right? Because a part of our mind isn't awake to our own being, to the world, right? So therefore, that means that we're not conscious in the way that we think of as conscious. Now, if you're still with me, what's so interesting about this is that, in fact, because of what we know about the way that the mind works, that much of our time awake is actually more like sleepwalking through life because the brain is designed to operate almost on its own, right? Making decisions on autopilot, interacting in relationships on default mode. We don't think of ourselves in that way very often, but that is how the mind works more often than not. Now here, I want to bring it back to this idea that as humans, we are always creating our life, right? It's a part of, we are perceiving life from moment to moment to moment, and we are enacting our life from moment to moment to moment in the reality of our body, right? That is the human experience. And I think what's so important here is that we forget where we have choice. So often we just get caught up in that automatic pilot mode. And in from that place inside there, we feel like life is very much affecting us and that uh, it is being driven by circumstances outside of our control because we forget that we have choice always in how we choose to be with those circumstances, how we choose to show up in our own lives. And this is where it starts to relate to persistent pain. Now, I want to say that 
in this scenario, in this conversation, there is no right and there is no wrong. There is only the way that things are. So as we evolve our individual understanding, as we become more aware of certain aspects of ourselves, each individual will get to know themselves as they, you know, in, investigate and inquire into their own life, into their own mind and be on their own personal journey, right? There is no better. There only is what is and wherever you are at is exactly where you ought to be. I think it's so important. I tell myself that all the time because I can really get hard on myself and really down on myself for not showing up in a way that I think that I should. (laughs) It's like what Brene Brown says, everybody's always doing their best with what they have to work with, right? And I truly believe that. So in terms of people who experience pain, there's a couple of things that can be going on here. So first of all, if you've been in a situation where you had something go off in your body and you went and sought help for it, and then you ended up getting strung along on a number of appointments for this or that procedure, this treatment, that blah, blah, this person, blah, 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 and so on and so forth, then you might have very easily um, and totally understandably gotten drawn into this narrative that there is something wrong with you and that other people have what you need in order for you to be fixed. And in that scenario, there is a whole lot of helplessness going on. There is a whole lot of you not feeling like you have any choice in your life, any choice in your situation. Now, this happens because one of the things that, one of the ways that we think about the body is we think of it as being separate. Even if we kind of think on one level, we know that it's not separate, we still relate often to our body as if it were separate. For example, if we have pain, we think that we don't go to the mind, we don't look at how we relate to that, whatever we're experiencing in our bodies. We just look at the thing that we're experiencing in our bodies and we say, good or bad, go away (laughs) or stay. (laughs) It's either go away actually, or we don't notice it, right? If things are going swimmingly, you don't notice. You're just living your life, right? It's only when things go wrong that we start to get into this whole thing. Like, what is my body doing? Why is it doing this to me? Right? As if there was some distinction there. So when you feel like you don't have any choice in your situation, it is very disempowering. And it takes away your agency, but remembering that you do have choice in your situation is in opposition to that very empowering. Now, if you've been in a state of mind for a long time that has you thinking that you don't have choice, then this might be a little bit of a challenge, but I I invite you to challenge your own mind and look at your situation and consider 
where you do have choice, where you can exercise your own conscious choice. Now, the other thing about this is that at first that feels, and I did use the word challenge, so (laughs) it can feel like a challenge, right? So let me just evolve that a little bit and not stay in that place because I don't want you to think of it as just a challenge um, unless you're the kind of person who's inspired by that. For me, that throws me and I just get like all huffy and I want to, you know, flip the bird (laughs) to the challenge and go do something more fun. So if that's you, um, stay with me because what's happening is often we think of this agency or this ability to choose when it comes to our own lives. And this idea like, oh, you're saying I always have a choice. At first it can feel like a burden, like like whatever is wrong then must be our fault. Whatever goes wrong in the future must be because I did something wrong, right? And we feel very much under the weight. I think this can happen for a lot of people feel like under the weight of that idea. Like if, if that, if you're saying I always have choice, then that seems to come with so many difficult implications. And I want to bring us back to remembering that there is no right or wrong here, that everybody's always doing the best. You're always doing the best that you can at any given moment in time. And you should never expect more of yourself than that. And also what actually starts like feeling burdensome or challenging is inevitably so much more freeing. And here's why. Because when you don't acknowledge that you have choice in the way that you show up in the world, when you don't acknowledge that capacity to choose, you become susceptible to whatever the world has in store for you. You become susceptible to other people's narratives about you. So in terms of the pain situation, when you go into this place and somebody's like, oh, well, you've got this problem. Oh, this is wrong. Oh, all these things, uh, we must get you fixed. When somebody's looking at you through their lens and feeding your brain with their story, right? If you are just totally receptive to whatever is created and you're not consciously present with what you want to create for your life, then whatever people create for you, that becomes your life. So that is the real impetus here, right? That's the implication of what we're talking about, not how difficult it is not the level of responsibility (laughs) that you have to take, but what it means in terms of your life. And interestingly, again, when you look at it and have this feeling of, well, if I always have choice, that means I always have to be exactly uh, perfect, or I always have to show up in this certain way, you're adding judgment on top of that. Nobody 
would consciously judge themselves in that way. When you are conscious, you are not harming yourself because any self-harm is a misinterpretation of your mind uh, about how to take care of your life. Your mind is like inextricably linked with your survival. It wants you to survive. It wants you to thrive. It doesn't want you to be in pain and hurt and suffer, right? And here I am acting as if you and your brain are two separate things, (laughs) but whatever. This part of you is making choices according to its belief about what will help you survive in your life. So it's very important to remember that. So anytime you experience any kind of judgment or which is self-harm in that way, that again is a sign that your consciousness in that moment has dropped, right? Oh, look at that. I'm self-harming with the way I'm talking about myself. And then you go back to conscious and then you go into that's what's going on. That's interesting. Observing, right? Being present. So being more conscious in your life and taking ownership of your life in that way by understanding this potential for choice is a very empowering direction to move toward, move in. And I will say, I actively do this and I am so not perfect. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I make mistakes. I mess things up. I, oh gosh, I do all kinds of things that drive me mad (laughs) in the moment. But I'm constantly forgiving myself. I'm constantly looking at my own mind like, wow, why am I reacting to the situation in this way? What is going on internally that is driving me in this moment? Not always. I mean, come on. (laughs) Sometimes I'm just watching Netflix, okay? (laughs) But often, and it's it's an ongoing journey, but it starts with acknowledging that you have that capacity. All right. Let's go on to number two. We have a lot to get through. Okay. Number two, perceiving, apprehending, or noticing with a degree of controlled thought or observation. This is so cool because I liken this to the way that I think about self-image. And this very much comes from my Feldenkrais background. Um, So we perceive ourselves, right? Perceiving and we perceive the world. And it also has this word notice what we notice, what we perceive and what we notice with a degree of controlled thought or observation. So that's all I'm talking about when I, when I talk about being conscious in your life, it's looking at observing what you notice, observing how you perceive whatever the situation is, right? And noticing your perception, noticing yourself in the act of perceiving. 
The other one here is, oh, actually this one is more about uh, self-image. So number three, personality felt. You feel yourself. I love this because we are always feeling ourselves and we don't realize that. <laughs> we are always sensing ourselves. There's a part of our brain that is always sensing where we are at in space, what's going on, where is their uh, heat, where is their vibration of what frequency, blah, blah, blah. All, all this kind of stuff is going on all the time. We perceive ourselves by how other people interact with us, right? We are constantly perceiving ourselves, feeling our own presence. So I think that's really interesting to be more clearly aware of that that is something that's happening internally inside you. And the way that relates to uh, persistent pain and I think can help evolve your situation often is to know that your body gets used to looking for what is familiar, right? This part of your nervous system. So if your nervous system expects something to happen, often it will create what it expects, right? It'll create the sensation that it expects to find. So the way that you can get inside this is simply bringing your awareness to that possibility and play with having different expectations. Play with how your body prepares itself for different kinds of expectations and how you approach certain situations according to what you expect and then play with how you are in that moment of approach and see how that affects certain outcomes, right? Okay, number four, capable of or marked by thought, will, design, perception. This is still um, the definition of conscious. Capable of or marked by thought, will, design, perception. So of course we have perception in here again. And I think what's interesting again is this perception and thought connection that we don't realize our thoughts are perceptions. We mistake our thinking as being true. And we think a thought and we don't think about that thought. We just think that's what is. That's reality. Sally didn't call me. She must not want to see me. She must not want to talk to me. Who knows what's going on with Sally? <laughs> but we think the thought and then we end there. And we, then we let that thought dictate our feelings, our lives, and our you know choices beyond that thought without considering, oh, I'm having this thought. And here's where you can enter into your own mind and literally perceive your own thinking. And when you start to do that, the, the power that you have to direct your thinking just explodes exponentially. And the level of freedom that you have in your life or feel in your own life also expands. The other two words that I like in here are I'm going to bring together are that of will and design. So I love, again, this design, designing your own life according to your will. Now, I think this is so interesting because 
so commonly in modern society, we demonize human will, right? And if we come from religious backgrounds, um, we often think of only God's will as being good and humans should do God's will. But what if we have it wrong here? What if human will is a spiritual will or God's will if that's how you relate to it? Even if you don't actively participate in a spiritual or in, a, in any kind of religion that uses the word God, you can still end up very much being influenced by these cultural uh, norms, which is that of the, this idea that the human will is um, somehow evil or negative or shouldn't be allowed to, to be, should be diminished. So I, I could do a whole podcast on this and I probably will, this idea of, of will and human will, but for now, I'll just leave you with this idea that maybe what we think of as human will is often mistaken for humans acting out when they aren't, or humans acting out or rebelling when they feel like they can't be authentically themselves and follow their true will. So often we subvert our will, thinking that it's wrong, bad, problematic. We don't even allow it airtime. And when we do, we feel like it's a vice or a bad habit. But maybe there's something underneath that that we're not really allowing to be. And anytime there's a part of yourself that is constrained from living, from being present, you're cutting a part of yourself out or denying a part of your humanity, that is a constriction in your body, in your physical musculature and will manifest physically. So something to think about. Maybe designing your own life is in part developing a more conscious connection with your authentic will. Okay, let's move on to create. So create, definition number one, to make or produce something, to cause something to exist. Now there's a couple things here. First of all, again, we're always creating. <laughs> and also, every human creation begins with a thought. Think about that. So if you are always creating your life, and every human creation begins with a thought, how do you want to think about yourself? How could you use your thoughts to support your conscious creation of your life and what you desire in your life? Number two, to cause a particular situation to exist. I love it. <laughs> See, all you have to do is look at the dictionary 
to find out. Because look, these are the words that we use. But do we understand the implications of these words and the way that we use them and their meaning for our life? Look, your mind creates your perception of every situation. There is no way that you can experience a situation, but through the context of your own mind, your mind creates, your mind creates your perception of every situation, right? And in essence, you cause that situation to exist by perceiving it. (laughs) It's true. Um, I'm not making this up. Okay. And also a part of this is that in terms of your health, right? What is the situation of your health? What is the situation of your journey in your health? And again, look, please do not take this in as self-blame or judgment. Again, anytime you feel triggered to, um, to anger or to feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that you caused your problem. If you're experiencing a health issue, I'm not saying that it's your fault in that sense. I'm saying that there is a relationship to the way that you consider whatever arises in your life. You, there's a relationship to the way that you consider it and the way that you think about it and how it evolves. So this isn't a blame game. This is a doorway to having more conscious creation about how your situ- how you experience your situation and how it evolves. The mind is powerful. You can use it when you understand it. What thoughts do you have? even the ones that you don't want that feed into your situation in a way that you do not want. You can weed those thoughts out of your garden, but first you have to know they're there. And finally, number three, to produce something new. This is part of the the third definition of to create, to produce something new, beautiful, such as a work of art by using your talents or imagination. What if you thought of yourself as a work of art? What if you considered your life as a work of art. Do you like that idea? Are you intrigued by it? It's yours to use and draw from. In this definition, to produce something new, such as a work of art by using your talents or imagination, You have an imagination. You have many talents, one of which is your consciousness. Talents are something that we hone, that we practice, that we evolve. 
as part of this definition, they have an example. So they say, such as, she creates a beautiful painting. <laughs> so in the same way an artist approaches a canvas, you can approach your mind and create a beautiful life. And remember, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Thank you for joining me today. Make sure you jump in on that workshop. We are going to take these ideas and put them into action. We're going to experience them in real time, embody them, and see how they play out in real life. Have a great week. I'll see you in the workshop. And if not there, I'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. Remember, if you are curious whether or not this relates to you, you can take our self-assessment for mind-body pain. It's really easy to access. There's a link in the show notes. You can also go to our website to get it, www.movetonourish.com. You can also join our free Facebook community, or if you want to work with me personally, send me a direct email at molly at movetonourish.com. And of course, all of this is linked up in the show notes. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Bye.